Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 136 of Death Readers, the podcast where Rob and I share our thoughts and notes with each other on the books we're reading for the first time. If this is your first time listening, we suggest reading The Silence of the Lambs from chapter 24 through chapter 35 before listening to this episode. That way you too can follow along. Uh, let us not even bother delaying. No, 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 no preamble, no, uh, getting to know each other chat. No, it's fine. Um, do you have any housekeeping? No. <laughs> I honestly don't know if I did, but I don't now. You, well, okay. Okay. Housekeeping. Uh, oh. it's been, it's been a while since we recorded. Uh, yeah. there's been a number of reasons why. Um, <laughs> and most of them are on me. Uh, Rob had uh, gotten gotten the COVID a couple weeks ago. Got and COVID. I, I, I got the Italian and then I got the COVID. Yeah, you got the Italian and then you got the COVID. That's right. Um, and then we tried to record an episode while you had COVID. And I was sequestered and... downstairs and so I had the most fumbly setup ever. Mm-hmm. And we had Which... the, the, literally the best hour of a show that we've ever had. <laughs> My God, the ideas were flowing, and we were communicating on on a level I have never achieved before. A new yeah. super consciousness. Yeah. When I shifted on the couch and unplugged my mic and lost everything. Yeah, you did. Um, so then we just didn't record for another couple of weeks. <laughs> yep. And, yeah, basically. And now we're. So it's like, yeah, that was your shot, man. Yeah. Now we're catching up. Um. Uh, it's probably worth pointing out that, uh, we did a number of shows when I had COVID and I didn't mess up anything. <laughs> um, I toughed it out and moved my recording setup and had it all. It just worked. It just worked. But I guess, uh, that's not for everybody. So, you no, know, I have. Yeah. An excuse. <laughs> oh, and I'll get back to you later with what it is. That sounds like COVID brain fog. Mm. You sound like you have long COVID now. No, I don't want long COVID. I want short COVID. Nobody wants long COVID. Anyway. I want, I want eh, it's a good size COVID. <laughs> it's the perfect COVID for me. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm so proud of ourselves. <laughs> All right, well, let's start the show. We, again, are doing The Silence of the Lambs, chapters 24 through 35. Yes. Um, so let's just get into it so we can we can get back to that great conversation we didn't get to finish. Yes. That brings us to... Chapter 24. Summary. Clary Starling wants to converse with Lecter again immediately. She explains her urgency to Crawford and requests a bigger carrot to dangle for Lecter's cooperation. He sends her a package, and she heads back to Lecter's cell. So specifically, she thinks she can like get more out of Hannibal if she can offer him something like, you know, a room with a view, a room with a view. And, that joke and a still shirt. kills. And because a... Anthony Hopkins in a room with a view, you see. Yeah, it's great. It's it's got layers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and. uh she she gets it she gets the also the uh insincere but like nice to hear uh assurance from jack crawford that the senator will approve of whatever this deal is and make it happen mm-hmm. so so she again is being sent in under misapprehensions 
Yep. Because yeah, so, he could smell a lie on her, but everyone knows you can't smell a lie once removed. Mm-hmm. If she believes it, it's not a lie. Right. So, do you have any notes? Uh, I had this note about Harris's writing that I really liked. Yeah. I'm going to selection here. I'm going to read it, and we can talk about it. <clears throat> <clears throat> we rarely get to prepare ourselves in meadows or on graveled walks. We do it on short notice in places without windows, hospital corridors, rooms like this lounge with its cracked plastic sofa and chinzo ashtrays, where the cafe curtains cover black concrete. In rooms like this, with so little time, we prepare our gestures, get them by heart so we can do them when we're frightened in the face of doom. Starling was old enough to know that. She didn't let the room affect her. Uh, it just felt like a, a naked moment of writing on Harris's part, where he just let... Uh, the feelings flow a little bit more, a little unselfconsciously, and I liked it. Yeah, but it's also like a, it, it was. I, I really like that piece too because it. He could have just let that moment happen, but kind of calling attention to it is a really nice way of saying, like, it's a nice way of pointing out that like, he's a pretty good writer. <laughs> That's true. Like, like he, uh, like if you watch like a movie, if you watch us, if you see a movie like you know one any of the Avengers movies, they're always like. Every, every time they get knocked down, they need to stand back up again. They get that hero shot where they're just like, yeah, I'm ready to the go. You can't Michael knock me Bates down. wrapping around them shot or or any variety of things like if, if you know, Thor's getting ready to build a new hammer. He's got to go get it <laughs> in a really cool place and have really cool moments where he gets to be super badass. And that's yeah. just not what happens to normal normal people do it in places like, you know, the bathroom. dark dark rooms or courtrooms mm-hmm. other rooms but i liked it i like it's a piece of writing i think you did a great job I, I agree with your note do you have any more notes in this chapter i don't have any more notes do you all right nope bring us around to chapter 25 summary lector accepts the bargain but wants more details about clarice's childhood and trauma in exchange Lecter suggests she look for people who were rejected for sex reassignment surgery from three major clinics. He explains the psychoanalytical red flags to look for in the rejected sex reassignment surgery applications. Clarice shares more about what happens to her after her father's death. Hannibal suggests she come back when she knows more about Bill and how to catch him. I don't have any notes in this chapter. I don't have notes for a couple chapters, just heads up. That's fine. Um, I was just noting, I had a little bit of a nerd moment because this chapter includes a lot of uh, favorite Hannibal lines, and I got to read them out loud in character, which was fun. <laughs> and then I've got this note here. It says, I like the descriptions of... Oh, yeah. Some word, maybe Traz... It looks like T-R-A-S or maybe D-R-A-S as insightful clues to personalities. Flaws? F-L-A-W-S? I'm pretty sure it's not. I would. There's no W. Traits? Tr- ticks? Ticks. Could be ticks. Well, anyways, I liked it and I felt it very insightful. Yep. Yeah, it was great. I knew what it was four months or four weeks ago. Four months ago. I don't think it's quite been that long, Rob. It's long COVID. 
Do you have any more notes on that chapter? I don't have any more notes on that chapter. All right, let's move forward. Take us into the next one. 26 chapter. 26. (laughs) Knocking the rust off. (laughs) Summary. While his cell's being cleaned, Hannibal reflects on a session with Benjamin Raspail. Hannibal recalls every word and nearly every detail of the conversation, where backstory informed about James Gum is revealed. His name was a birth certificate typo. I think that's what I wrote. Yeah, that's what you wrote. Am I wrong there? No. Okay. He so murdered his... Jamie, I think. And... Yeah. It says it's, he murdered his grandparents. James Gum, James Gum murdered his grandparents spent time in juvenile corrections, murdered Klaus, and turned him into an apron, an act that didn't seem to bother Raspail much. Well, he was a closet case man of depressive. Tedious. Very tedious. Tedious. Um, my note here, and this was in case you didn't know then, but I know you know now, but I still find it interesting that for the TV show, Francis was a stand-in for Benjamin Raspail. Mm-hmm. And his lover, the man who made people into cellos, was an allegory for Buffalo Bill. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. It's still just like... I, I it It's fine. It, it, I'm sh- yeah. They needed, uh, the, they needed that, you know, the, the weak person who would overlook some serious character flaws as long as he could feel like he was wanted. Yeah. And then a truly horrifying person preying on that. I mean, it, it fit that niche. No, it it's, it does. It's just like, I feel like it, unfortunately, it kind of takes away from the magic of those characters to realize that they were just sort of like extrapolated alt versions of characters that already existed in the book. Sure, but I feel like Fuller would have done something interesting with these characters had he had the chance that would have been different and new. Yeah, it's, you know. Uh... God damn it, CBS. What's wrong with you? Well, but but also like I really like the, the those characters in that those episodes. I like the cello guy. I thought that was a really cool That's, way to. Yeah, that was like, NBC. I'm fine with that. Oh, CBS having withheld Clarice and yes. all the associated yes. characters. Yes. yes. Yeah. How's that show going, by the way? Is it is it fully? Oh, dead? it's dead. Oh, it's dead. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. 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 What a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> Not that we're here to judge, but that's literally what we're here to do. Yeah, and also it's a piece of shit, and and the people who worked on it should feel bad. Well, I mean, like, no, no, now. no. Think about it. Was it was a big think break about... for some of those people. We don't need to be completely dicks. No, I mean, it was a big break when they broke their hearts. They broke my heart because because then they realized how bad the show was, and it was never going to be Hannibal, and all they were doing was not being Hannibal, and it really you shouldn't feel good about that. Okay, I mean, anyway, I, you, you swayed me. I was yeah. trying to play both sides, but you you fucking got me. Yeah, fuck CBS. Um, okay, so... Paramount Plus, next... more like Paramount Minus. <laughs> Knocked it out of the park. I really love the the times when you do that, and it's so obvious that you have no idea what you're you're going to say. You just are saying things. Well, we know that wasn't one of those times, because clearly I uh, figured that out ahead of time. Just like this sentence, (laughs) which is officially over now. Okay. Did you have any more notes in that chapter? I I did not. Okay, let's move on to... Chapter 27. 
Summary, while Hannibal is restrained during his cell cleaning, Dr. Chilton begins ridiculing Lecter about Crawford's lies and how little Hannibal will actually get from Jack's deal. Chilton offers a new deal. Hannibal names a killer, and he will be immediately moved to a different prison where he can walk outside and see the forest from his cell. Hannibal bites the bait and says the killer's name is Billy, and he'll share the last name in the senator's presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a couple things here, just sort of to clarify my notes, um, the killer they want to be, they want named is Buffalo Bill. Uh, clearly we know at this point that Buffalo Bill's name is not Billy. And honestly, Chilton should have figured that out. It's, it's a pretty like lazy tell on Hannibal's part. Oh, the nickname that the, they gave him that they gave this murderer for skinning his humps happens to be the guy's real name. Weird. That's a good point. And they do change that for the movie for Hannibal's fuckery. He's going in a different direction, but yeah, he probably should have at least said William or something. Right. I didn't, you know what? I didn't even put that together. Because Buffalo Bill's real name is Billy. I'm like, yeah. huh, yeah, I guess that sounds reasonable. <laughs> you know, we have been calling him Bill Bill the whole time, so why not? Why not be yeah, Billy? Yeah. Makes sense. No, it's 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 pretty I'm not I'm not saying it's lazy on Thomas Harris' part. I'm saying it's lazy on Hannibal's part. No, I get you. Um, I yeah. get you. Um, but like with Hannibal laziness, it must be more like, like he's, he's playing with his food, right? Like he's, I mean, he's saying to, he's saying to Chilton, I'm giving you an opportunity to catch me here. That, that's but a big in, part of it. I think, and I think anytime he's that it, obvious, it's, it's, are you really this stupid? Because this yeah. is going to give me so much more fruit to mock you with. Yeah, exactly. It, it, and all that gratification. <laughs> what do you, okay. Yeah. Look, I know where it came from. It's much ado about nothing. It got all scrambled in my head. I'm sorry. Yeah, fruit scrambles. That's a thing. Such meat food to feed it. It's in your Benedict, and I turn meat into fruit, and I don't know what happened. Okay. Like I'm saying, it doesn't make sense. No, it it's okay. Um, <laughs> it's not right. the length of your COVID. It's the motion of the ocean. Covid's a it penis. Just, if it's if it's uh, if we're talking about COVID and your symptoms and experience with it being an ocean, I feel like we may be beyond bailing out of this situation because you keep you keep going <laughs> down to the well, which also has water. Sure. Oh man, this is this is some of the gold you missed last time, folks. Yep, that's unfortunately <laughs> show is equally as good. Eh, I don't know about that, but um, what we do have is do you have any more notes in that chapter? Um, I noticed in this chapter that Crawford kind of goes off on this paranoid tangent, which I think probably helps explain his overlooking of the fake name. Because he's just totally in his own head with all these imaginings of Crawford and Clarice. And it has this ring of paranoia to it, how everyone's out to get him. I, I mean, it, it's paranoia more by way of everyone. He's imagining how everyone else is having a better life than him. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, Jesus, dude, you're in charge of all these lunatics. <laughs> That's terrifying. Yeah. So, I mean, in that sense, it makes sense that Hannibal's like, I'm going to give you the lead. I'm not even going to try, and you're still going to buy it because you're just a piece of shit. 
I think also in this chapter, and I don't think I mentioned it in my review, I think it's this chapter where Chilton drops mm. a safety pin or a, or a stapler or staple. Uh, let me see. Well, that's what happens in the movie. What they're doing here is they say, uh, Tennessee State Police will take custody of you at the airport. The governor has agreed. At last, Dr. Chilton had said something interesting, and he doesn't even know what it is. Dr. Lecter pursed his red lips behind the mask. The custody of the, of police. Police are not as wise as Barney. Police are accustomed to handling criminals. They're inclined to use leg irons and handcuffs. Handcuffs and leg irons open with a handcuff key, like mine. Oh, yeah, the handcuff so, key. So in the movie, it's Chilton's fault that the pen's left behind, and that becomes Hannibal's tool. But here in that same place, we do find out he does have a tool. Right. Yeah. So, yes, we, we know that shit's going to go down. Yes. Um, any more notes? No, no, no more notes. All right, let's move on. Chapter 28. Summary. Jack Crawford pleads with a doctor at Johns Hopkins to provide him with information pertinent to the Buffalo Bill case, specifically reports about rejected sex reassignment surgery applicants. The doctor refuses and Jack threatens him with the suggestion he'd smear the doctor's name in the media should Catherine Baker Martin die. Then Jack gets word Chilton is planning to move Hannibal to Tennessee. Do you have any notes in this chapter? I I do. I do have some notes. Uh, First of all, I want to get this one out of the way. I didn't do it this way before, but I just kind of liked how sassy this doctor is. Just totally not taking Crawford shit, even though Crawford's not really trying to give him shit. He just has all these assumptions. Well, yeah... Sorry, well, like Crawford's after his patients, um, but Crawford's not. I do. I think that there's something really powerful. Yeah, I have one note. I think there's something really powerful in the way uh, the doctor at Johns Hopkins um, is protective of his patients, mm-hmm. and in that that in this story, like the way Jack uh, Jack representing this sort of like government agent that like. Could could be very like is sort of the guy who's walking in with, like is, is going to take no no guff and going to have his way, uh, goes in there. It could very easily be a character who is bigoted and awful, especially at the time the book was written. Could easily have been written like that, and been believable as a like a, a conservative federal guy, right? Who's like a a a, bi- a, a jerk in the, in his, the do- law, I mean, his doctor gets like his hackles up like a mama bear, right? And. And it's. It, I thought it was really interesting because it was sort of like they're both actually being very respectful of trans rights, right? And I thought that was a really interesting way to show this conflict where it's like we're these both these people are being very protective. They're both kind of in the right. They're both in the right. They're they're kind of both saying the same thing. They just don't even know it at first. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's and cool I, that Jack takes his time to be like, "No, you still don't understand me. I'm going to try to reframe it again." Yeah, and then, like, the thing that really got my attention is feeling that, like, this, like, again, it's, this is these are two fictional characters written by one guy <laughs> who has one perspective, whatever that may be, but it's still coming, it's not actually representative of a time period's perspective on issues mm-hmm. um, and inclusivity, but it did feel like if it was a snapshot of that time period, then it would, then it feels like we've actually regressed like despite how much like more visibility the trans community has mm-hmm. and how and how positive that is it feels like the 
vitriolic, hateful response to that is also much more publicized um, in a way that is, I feel like, is not part of this book. And keeping in mind, this book's like 30 plus years old. 30 plus years old, yeah. And like, it feels really, it just, that realization made me feel uh, bad. (laughs) Like, fair. That like, I was like, oh man, I wish, I wish we lived in a world where these two people like where the people who represent doctors and FBI agents or FBI, whatever Crawford's actual title is that these two people actually were representative of the norm of these two like positions or, uh, careers. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like at least the way that our media landscape has shifted to be so sensational and so, uh, valueless that like that i feel like the people who would be rational and and reasonable they're not going to be on tv to be spokespeople for you know uh in any side so like you know tv producers are going to look for the person who's the most entertaining not necessarily the most representative of like rational thought i say by and large this is a fair criticism sure rational thought or you know representing the actual median of public opinion so it just made me like think about it. <laughs> it. Just made me think about where we are with that stuff and how like oh yeah, well I mean this not not it's not necessarily the same issue as like a uh, you know the, the very recently the right to privacy has been outed as being something that's being like chipped away at mm-hmm. um in this country and that's what I mean by like we've we are back sliding mm-hmm. bad badly. Um, so yeah, it's a bummer. And that's really my only note in that chapter. It's a good note and I feel worse now. <laughs> okay. Hey, it's not, it's, it's, at least it's not the book's fault that we feel worse. It's true. It's, it's reality's fault. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, do you want to, you want to move on? Do you have any more notes? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kind of floored that the takeaway is, I wish trans representation was more like Silence of the Lambs than it is today. Well, no, it's not the representation; it's the real world was more like the representation in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> sure, because yeah. the representation is much more now. You're right. You're right. You're right. In the, and it's the better. representation we're being given now is is much better. Right. Yes, I do wish. But, but still, like, it's there's still kind of a. A weird thingy. Yeah. <laughs> I have no more notes. Okay. Let's move on to... Chapter 29. Summary. This is a chapter about Barney. Well, it really... It's really a chapter about setting up Hannibal's violent escape. But it's also the closest I bet we'll get to a Barney appreciation chapter. Hannibal on his way to being transported to his new prison, thanks Barney for being dis- uh, decent to him over the last few years. A show of mutual respect between the two men. It's touching if we only could live in such a civilized world. That was my note. It's a good note. Yeah. I like Barney. Be nice to see more of him. I like that Barney is really respectful of Hannibal, despite him being like, like Bar- I think the thing that's so much fun about it is just you know it's, it feels obvious if you're reading it, but that Barney treats Hannibal with respect in a power dynamic where he doesn't have to. Right. Or like in theory, you could buy that he wouldn't have to, mm-hmm. but he does, and I think that's really cool. It is really cool. 
Bernie's, Bernie's a stand-up guy. Yeah. All right, do you have any more notes on that one? I do not. Take us to the next one. Chapter 30. Summary. This chapter is a very nuanced way of saying Clarice learns Chilton fucked everything up. And that is uh, my only note. <laughs> I highlighted this part that I really like. Um, where she's realizing Chilton's fucked everything up. And she has this interior monologue. God damn it. God damn it. God damn it. You've killed her. <laughs> Dr. Chilton, you've killed her. Dr. Fuckface. <laughs> Lecter knew more and I could have gotten it. It's, it, it but it's, it's Dr. God damn it. Dr. Fuckface. I'm like, that's, that's fun. Yeah. I like those. Clarice is self-composed, but inside she's still a maelstrom like everyone else. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Uh, take us to the next one. Chapter 31. Summary. Crawford and Starling lay out their plan to pick up the pieces after Chilton's choice to move Hannibal. Clarice is headed south, and Crawford's headed north. Before they leave, Clarice asks Barney for the drawings from Hannibal's cell walls. They exchange pleasantries, and Barney asks Starling not to send him Buffalo Bill when he's caught. That is to say, not to send Barney Bill to care for like he did Hannibal. Right. Because Barney doesn't really like it. Well, I don't think Buffalo Bill would be as... uh... Classy. Yeah. Um, I like this because this is a chapter I totally forgot about, and it felt like an outtake from the movie, because this is how she gets the drawings. Yeah. When she just shows up with the drawings, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun. I mean, it's not necessary in the telling of the story, but it's it's, it's a fun little, oh, okay. Yeah. I wonder if there could have been like a cutaway that would have shown her grabbing them in the movie that they didn't use or didn't shoot. Yeah, maybe. It's a great movie, though. No reason to criticize it from from that perspective. Um, I have a note here that just says this chapter contains numerous nuggets of wisdom about leadership and management techniques. More managers could learn from Crawford. Mm. Very true. Very wise. Do you have any more notes on that one? I do not. Let's move on to chapter 32. Summary. Crawford gives Senator Martin as much of a heads up as he can on dealing with Lecter. Despite her many distractions, Senator Martin does a remarkable job interviewing Lecter about Buffalo Bill, despite the fact Lecter's lying to her. Is this the chapter about breastfeeding? Yeah. Um, a couple of things about this chapter. I really liked Crawford is trying his damnedest to get Senator Martin to understand, to not do it with Chilton, just to just to take the bare minimum of precautions. Not unlike, you know, talking to Starling in the beginning of the book, but she's just not listening. She's concerned about her daughter. She thinks she's got a handle on things. She thinks she's got the read of everything where uh, Crawford has been, in a sense, outed as a conniver and spurned. And uh, so she's like, no, we're not going to do it that way. And there's this moment where she sees... Chilton, like, posturing, or, or it's when he whips off the mask in a flourish, and she just gets this, oh, fuck, moment where she realizes she's kind of in over her head, mm-hmm. and that maybe Crawford, but she doesn't have time to process it, she's got to go forward, but fuck, she's in the thick of it. Um, I really like Hannibal's interaction with her, his little digs about Catherine. Where really he just sets it down that if I want to, I could fuck this whole thing up. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, that comment about thirsty work. Mm-hmm, breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's creepy. It is very creepy. Yeah, I feel I feel bad for uh Senator Martin in this. She's in over like, her head. She is and she's but she like much like many people in this in this story are just not actually helping. Mm-hmm. Any more notes? No more notes. All right, let's move on to chapter 33. Summary. James Gum is sitting still in his dark basement, watching a moth unfurl its wings for the first time. James can see everything in the darkness because he's wearing infrared goggles. The narrator lets us know a number of things about Gum in this chapter. He's got an enormous house full of many basement rooms. It's suggested some of those rooms may still contain the corpses of his previous victims. And Gum thinks about his hide harvesting process and determines it must be done soon when it comes to Catherine Baker Martin. Within a day or two, he'll kill her. This is a real Edgar Allan Poe, Lovecraft, Labyrinth of Horrors. Yeah. The the body parts, the bones, the like you said, the the not they're not actually walled up the way the rooms have been shut and no longer opened with their occupants still in there. It's it's really creepy. It's dripping with creepy. And there's some pronoun work in this that I also found really creepy. Where I guess where he's 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 talking about Catherine as it. I, that's my note is, is I found his tendency to dehumanize her by referring to her as it or another disassociative objectifying term. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it happened a number of times and I thought back on it of perhaps he is protecting himself from feeling for his victims by pretending that they're not people. Oh yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Like Crawford suspected. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me wonder if Crawford is as dumb as Hannibal would want us to believe. Cause that was, cause Hannibal made that comment about how it was clumsy to, to add that stuff about like saying her name over and over and over in the, oh. in the, the thing and how that like, he, he, he was critical of that while Clarice was like, uh, impressed by it. I think he understands it wasn't necessary. I think he just felt it, um, could have been done with more finesse. Yeah. But uh, it, it is really creepy to see it in action, which I don't think. I mean, he does do it in the movie, doesn't he? He says it will get the hose. But this, this chapter unnerved me like that scene did not in the movie. I was like, Ugh. creepy. Ugh. Yeah. People. You got people. any notes? No. Well, that was it. OK, cool. Uh, all right. What's next? Chapter 34. Summary. Clarice examines Catherine's apartment, finding some risque photos of the missing girl and a lover. Before she could take the photographic evidence to the FBI, Senator Martin demands Starling hand them over. Clarice is ashamed and insulted by the assistant deputy attorney general before being escorted from the crime scene. Clarice learned Lecter named Buffalo Bill to to Senator Martin, but she suspects him of lying. She sets out to find Lecter and make him tell her the killer's real name. Hmm. Um, I have a couple notes. Okay. I have a note on page 208. Uh, For me, it's 208. And it's a quote. It says, inattention can be a stratagem to avoid pain, and that is often misread as shallowness or and indifference, end quote. And I thought, whoa, I feel seen. <laughs> I, he's very observant of the human condition, is Thomas Harris. Yeah. Empathetic, for sure. Empathetic, absolutely. He understands it with without a lot of judgment. I definitely know that, like, 
I feel like that's a thing that I've experienced a lot in my life is this tendency to like shut off perception so that I can just get some peace. Mm-hmm. And then but that's that's perceived as, you know, not being able to pay attention. It's like, eh, I just don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do I, have other things I need to pay attention to. Yeah. Or, or like, or I'm just like, it's like, uh, you know, if you're, if, if people are having, like, if people are feeling, or a person's feeling overwhelmed, it's really nice to have a practice to subdue that so you don't have a fit. Right. And, and sometimes that is shutting down your perceptors. Um, there's 700% of awful things in the world. There's 100% of me and I need some me at the end of the day. Yeah. And it, it's hard to like, Sometimes it's hard when that is like when when you're dealing with that in a, a professional environment and people it, it's definitely it, I wish there was more again I wish more people were as empathetic as Thomas Harris so you could just talk to people and say listen I am overwhelmed mm-hmm. I am not ashamed of that because there's no shame in being you know tuned into your own feelings um and unless we calm this situation down I am going to actually have a fit and that will be the opposite of what anybody wants. Right. So give me a second and I will be back with you in a moment. Do you have any more notes? Uh, Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing is insightful, at least insightful about this book and humanity is yours. But I was just thinking as I read this, how annoying the spelling of Stonehenge Villas was mm. when Starling agreed with me. And I was like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> that was that was also done on purpose. This misspelling at Stonehenge. <laughs> uh, that, that, I just was like, oh, that was a little treat. My only uh, my only other note is that I didn't like how much time Thomas Harris spent describing Catherine Baker Martin's clothing, because uh, he spends a lot of time discussing how much her weight fluctuates and how like why it would do that and how she has different outfits for that and all these and like there's all this stuff going on there. It just felt like. I don't know. Like I, I was bored a little. No, that makes sense. It's. I mean, he clearly is uh, enamored of people's thought processes, mm-hmm. and when he gets an idea, it sounds like he wants to fully explore it. Even though sometimes they're fascinating, and sometimes you're like, get on with it. Yeah. All right. Was that it for you in that That's chapter? It. All right. Let's move on to chapter thirty-five. Summary. Clarice sneaks into Doctor Lecter's cell by passing as an official with clearance to interview him. They have a conversation about Buffalo Bill, and then Lecter demands Clarice finish her story about her escape with the blind horse. In the telling of her story, she <laughs> reveals she's somewhat haunted by the screaming of slaughtered lambs that inspired her flight from Montana. She's quickly discovered by Chilton and escorted out of the cell, but not before Dr. Lecter passes her Buffalo Bill's case file. And I think touches her finger. That's in the movie, at least. He held it at arm's length through the bars, his forefinger along the spine. She reached across the barrier and took it. For an instant, the tip of her forefinger touched Dr. Lecter's. The touch crackled in his eyes. Weird. Um, I mean, he doesn't get a lot of touch. No, but like, also, hopefully it's not the kind of crackle that precedes slaughter and eating. <laughs> I, w- uh, I mean, Is it not the same to him? I don't know. <laughs> Like, I don't know if, if Hannibal Lecter has the capacity to appreciate people and if he's not You know when you see them. someone you love and you're just like, oh, I could just eat you up. I don't think it's the same. Okay. Mm. I feel like I feel like for him, wanting to eat somebody up is a little different. A lot different. Okay. 
intense chapter. How do you feel about its deviation from what you know of her backstory? I don't really remember how it deviates. Well, more about the blind horse instead oh. of carrying the lamb. Yeah, the blind horse was diff- was definitely, uh, I felt like I was just forgetting it. I was like, oh, that must have been a thing. Well, I mean, it makes sense that they changed it to, to just be more in keeping with the title, to make a stronger connection with the lambs. Yeah, a- agreed. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's just like, okay, it's different, moving on. Same, same, yeah. same feeling is being conveyed here. Yeah. And um, and as fun as this interaction is, and all of their interactions are, this is, well, I guess we do get our backstory, but other than that, it's just kind of a chapter to move us to the next part, because we're ending that chat. Even Clarice is just like, yeah, this is ha- this happened, I want that case file. Or she doesn't even know she wants it yet, but she wants that case file. Yeah, I felt like there was a lot more, like... I mean, this is a great chapter. It was good. It was good to help us move along. But like, I feel like the chapter where she is digging around through Catherine Baker Martin's apartment was mm-hmm. more like intense. Intense. Okay. It was definitely like, yeah, it was definitely like suspenseful where you're like, oh man, what's, what's she going to find and what, what's it going to tell us? And then like she, and then, and then she finds it, it tells us something and she can't even escape with it. Right. Like it was, uh, but here it's like, we're just kind of finishing up a different, chapter that it happened many chapters ago is how it feels right which is fine it's fine to pace that stuff out it's just like it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't end this episode on the kind of like chapter where you're like wow right it's not a cliffhanger it's just sort of a progression yeah progression yeah so uh do you have any more notes nope but i am still recording good thank god you better not bluff me. <laughs> oh, Doug, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. Let's go to the new word alert. New word alert. All right, first word. Savoir faire. I know it. And I'm trying to think of the specific example I know it from. Doesn't it mean sort of a a chic ebullience? Uh, a, a, a sort of a sort of um, espialerie, if you will. Possibly, I think you're on the right track. Okay. Uh, it's a noun that the definition, in, according to Merriam-Webster, is capacity for appropriate action. Oh, I was way off. Well, way it off. says especially a polished sureness in social behavior. So, like sophisticated, uh, what you could you could call it like high etiquette. Okay, but still, I I always kind of I always I always think of it how it's kind of used colloquially, and then how I interpret what I've heard, and it's more of a um, the snazzy life of the party, and I think that's oh. off. Yeah. No, that is off. This says um, the history and uh, etymology is French savoir-faire, literally knowing how to do. They might be giants. That's how I know it. Really? That's not how I know it and not where I got it from. That's so interesting. <laughs> so the the song where he's like, what what do I do with all this extra savoir-faire? Savoir-faire, I can't say it. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, how do you know it? Uh, Wizard of Oz. 
Really? Yeah, there's a line in uh, Mario Land of Oz where the lion says, a certain air of savoir-faire in the merry old land of Oz. Certain air of savoir-faire. Which is funny because he's got that thick New York accent. Or like unto a New York accent. Funny. Okay, good. Yeah. I like it. So that's the only word I have. Well, I've got a word uh, from, from my daughter's SAT words. Wow. Uh, there's a couple on there I didn't know. This is the only one I remember. Abstruse. Abstruse. I don't know. Abstruse. Like, is that like a, is that like a protrusion of some kind? Like, is it something that like, no? Nope. Nope. What is it? Uh, difficult to comprehend. So like, oh, so it's like abstract and obtuse? Yeah. Like, weird. The abstruse calculations of mathematicians. Weird. Yeah. That's it. Okay, cool. Well, uh... You got nothing else, right? Nothing else. Well, I'm still recording too. So next <laughs> time, uh, let's read. Whenever next time is, let's read chapters 36 through 47. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. I guess that was Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. I'm recording. Am I recording? I... I'm also recording and I can see my own 19 hours, 46 and seven seconds, six seconds. And, five and you're seconds. not going to, you're not going to knock this thing off and disconnect it. Dude, and... I was wrapped all over the couch last time and I just shifted a bunch and the pulled the, look, there's no way I could look, I'm fiddling with the, where it's plugged in. You're fine. Yes. And you're fine. And is it still recording? It is. Okay. Mwah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna require that you stay recording. Excuse me. Lester just cut me cut me before I fucked it up. Cut me! I don't remember what the last new word alerts were. <laughs> You know what? I'll tell you. Just go ahead and do them, and we'll tell you if we if we've done them, or it won't. We definitely did that one. Okay. We definitely did that one. Okay. Okay. I think I only have one. <laughs>